Good evening, everybody. It is Tuesday night again. Time to keep going with our Bible study. If you're coming to this later on, after we're done with the stream, as always, just ask you to either sit and be patient or just fast forward four or five minutes uh, to the start of the class. So thanks for joining us and uh, blessings on your time with this study. Good evening. Feel free to check in when you get here. Good evening. I see we got a handful out there already. More than usual for for this quickly. Who do we got out there tonight? Please let us know who's here. It's a beautiful night. Finally got some sunshine. Good night to study the word together. Who do we have with us tonight? We're going to be going through Luke chapters three and five, three, four, and five tonight. So if you're already here, you can get yourself situated and get ready. Otherwise, again, uh, check in and uh, we'll we'll give it our usual four or five minutes here before we get started, and then we'll uh, we'll get going. Good evening, Levon. Glad you're with us tonight. Welcome. Hope you had a nice day. A little chillier than we'd like for the end of April, but sunshine's always a good thing. Joel, good evening, and I like your greeting there. Yeah, um, always good to remember who we are, right? Good evening and welcome. We'll be in Luke, picking it up at chapter 3 tonight and, and going hopefully through chapter 5, see how that discussion goes. So grab your Bibles, your worksheets, and uh, as soon as everybody's assembled here, we will we'll get underway. Haven't asked for it in a while, but if uh, let me know if the audio is good. I think we've we've kind of developed a a good system. I should, shouldn't say it out loud, but we haven't had any technical issues for a while. So, as always, if you notice any, please please let us know. A couple more joining us. I, I know we have some competition tonight. I think the Bucks and the Brewers both play. Brewers are playing right now. Bucks are on a little bit later, I think. Or I might be off. Bucks might actually not be until tomorrow. But three more minutes here before we get started. So we'll allow people some time to find us here. Um, I'm showing seven. Um, which is not quite where we're usually at. So we'll give it a couple more minutes here. Joel and Levon, did you have a good day? Good evening, Phil. <laughs> Only 243 days. Yeah, might as well start the clock, right? And I hear you, Luke. Uh, if there's ever, if there's a book of the Bible that, that gets you thinking about it, it definitely is Luke. Um, hi, Joanne. Well, it worked. I'm glad I got you got me on the phone. I'm guessing it's a little bit tougher to to type there, but maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe you can voice to text there too. Linda, good evening. Marge, good evening. Pam, good evening. Hey, Levon, that's always good, right? That's always a good day. Well, I hope it was. Well, I'm glad it was a great day, and um, hopefully tomorrow will be for you, too. Glad to have everybody here. We're going to give it about two more minutes yet, uh, just to see if our usual crowd can find us here. Two more minutes. Uh, we'll be starting at Luke Chapter 3. The Pine Car Derby is going on uh, on the other end of the building here, and... Uh, just gave a devotion to those kids, and now they're ra racing their cars. 
So if you hear any cheering and shouting, that's what that is. Um, I think there's enough space here, though, between us. We probably won't, won't hear anything. Looks like Marge is on the phone as well. I, interesting. I wonder, is it easy to, to post on the phone, Marge and, and Joanne? Does that work out all right? I always struggle to text on my phone. Maybe my thumbs are just too big, though. One more minute, then we're going to get started here. One more minute. Missing a couple yet, but I think we'll get started shortly. So hopefully you've got your worksheet, Luke 3 to 5. And then we will uh, hopefully have some good discussion. Three screens, Linda. Wow. I think one of me is plenty. Three screens. Joanne says, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. I'm starting to, to notice that as well. There are ways to adjust that, though, Joanne. I, um, you can make the, make all the text on your phone a lot bigger. There they are, uh, Jane, Glenn, Jean, and Joan. Good evening. Welcome to all four of you. Glad you're with us tonight. Robert, uh, glad you're – I was wondering, and, and I'm glad to see you, Robert, and glad, glad the surgery went well. So good – so glad to hear it. God is good. Um, all right, and Pastor Kirshner is here as well. And ladies, I, I, I can feel your pain with the technology issues. Um, always tough to keep up with that stuff. All right, everybody, let's uh, let's get going here tonight. Let's have our prayer, and, and we'll, we'll jump back in. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, as always, we're so grateful for this time together, for this technology that enables us to meet in this way. Uh, be with us tonight, Lord, as you always are, and send your Holy Spirit to bless us, to increase our faith, uh, to build us up. We pray in our Savior's name. Amen. All right, so Luke 3. So chapter 1 and 2, um, as Phil said, really kind of had the Christmas vibe, right? Talking about the birth of John the Baptist, the birth of Jesus, Um we're going to jump into chapter three, and really this the scene is going to focus here on John the Baptist, at least for a little while. So uh, verse three right away gives you an outline of John the Baptist's work. Uh, what was his job description here that Luke gives him uh, in chapter three? Tell me what, what you see there. What was, what was John's work going to consist of? What kind of stuff would he be doing? Certainly a different guy, right? A little bit out there um, in a couple of ways, but what kind of work would he be doing? <clears throat> really, it's um, a couple of key things, right? A couple of core things that really hasn't changed in the centuries. Um so Phil says, preaching a baptism of, of repentance. So there is um, preaching, there's baptizing, right? There, so we have word and sacrament, right? We have preaching and baptizing. Um, you're all mentioning repentance, certainly part of, the, part of the message always, right? To lead to repentance and forgiveness. So John's work really was preaching and teaching and baptizing, Um Really, that's the core of the public ministry still today. There, there's certainly a lot more that goes into it, but those are the, are the key things, really. Um, so as much as we'd say John was a different guy, we would, I mean, his ministry, that, that's pretty core ministry, right, still today in the church. Um, I, certainly his methods were a little different, right? Um, but the ministry really, really hasn't changed a whole lot. Uh, two, Isaiah prophesied about John's work, and he quotes, uh, Luke quotes Isaiah. So there's a 600-year gap between Isaiah and Luke here. And Isaiah, or Luke quotes Isaiah. Um, and how do you, how does Isaiah's description here uh, picture the way, the work that John was doing? I always, 
and again, it can hear handles Messiah uh, with these words. Um, like another Christmas Advent theme here. What? How does Isaiah's message describe or picture for us um, the work that John would be doing? Anybody have a thought there? How does Isaiah encapsulate for us the work that, that John was doing? In other words, talk to me about the crooked roads and the mountains and the valleys, the rough ways. Um, just talk about talk about that. Melissa, good evening and welcome. Glad you're with us. And I did not know that fact. Um, it makes sense. So um, thank you for that. So anybody, anybody have a thought here? How does Isaiah picture for us the, the work that John would be doing? Focus in on the terrain. What, what's the idea here with the terrain that Isaiah describes? How does that relate to the work of John the Baptist? So Jane says he's making the people ready to accept Jesus. So in the same way that, um, there we go. So Phil says paths are made straight, uh, getting people to have a direct route to Jesus. Yes, good. Um, pastor says preparing to welcome the promised Savior and follow him. So it's prep work, right? And there's a lot of clearing that has to happen. Um I like the way you say that there, Melissa, eliminating the roadblocks. Uh, Myers are here. Good evening and welcome. I was wondering if we'd see you. Glad to have you here tonight. Um, so the terrain Isaiah describes really are is the, the unrepentant heart, right, that John would come into contact with. And like those road workers would clear the path in Isaiah's day, uh, that's what John would do with the word, clearing the path, as you all are describing so well. And inevitably during Advent, you hear that type of a message, right? We always, whether it's on a Wednesday or a Sunday, we certainly preach on John the Baptist and, and Isaiah in, in clearing that path. So that's probably a sermon you've heard every year for a long time, or at least a theme that you've heard for a long time. Um, and it's not always the easiest path to clear, right? We know, you know your own heart. Um, not always an easy path to clear. Phil, yeah, I would think he was about 30. Um, in those days, in that society, uh, a Jewish man had to be 30 uh, to teach publicly as a rabbi. So um, and that's when Jesus starts, we're pretty sure, and, and John starts just ahead of him. So I would say about 30. Uh, would be the answer there. All right. Anybody else? Um, let's just keep going here, talking about John. Number three. So John talked to all different kinds of people. And you look at verses, well, really 7 through, well, 15 and 16. Um, he's talking to all kinds of people. What do we learn about gospel ministry from the way that he interacts with others? Um, Linda lost the questions. Well, Linda, that's okay because Phil posts them for us if you just follow this feed. So Phil's got number three right there. Um, so just keep your eyes on the feed, Linda, and you should see the questions pop up. So number three, uh, John talked to all kinds of people. What do we learn about gospel ministry from the way that he interacts with others? Um, so what do you uh, what do you see here? What do you learn about how John interacts with others? So Jane says, you want to share, I assume you mean share the word, right? Share the word with them. Um, he says, treat she says, treat others fairly, be content. Um, Ron and Joan say, preach the word to everyone. Yeah, John John wasn't uh, choosy with whom he shared the word, right? He he shared it to everybody, regardless of status or, or who they were. Um, and Melissa, he, it is pointed, right? If you look there, especially 10, 11, 12, 13, 
he gives specific application um, to to different kinds of people, and and that's that's tough to do. Um, you think of a sermon, right? And and how is pastor supposed to make applications that apply to to everybody in the pew? Um, that's tough to do, but John does that really well, right? He he addresses each group um, where they are, right? And he and he hits home with them. Um, all right, any other thoughts here? Number three, what do you learn about gospel ministry uh, from the way he interacts with others? I think he's encouraging. Um, I think also, yeah, so Jane says he's brash, or Glenn says that he's brash. I agreed. He, he calls... He calls out the ones that need to be called out. Um, he's not timid. Uh, and I think that's an important one for us to notice in our day and age. Everybody is so afraid to say anything up that, that would offend anybody. Um, John, he he was not afraid to call out who needed to be called out. Um, and, and Phil, I think, is on that point there as well. Direct. He um, doesn't really seem to care what people think of him. Um, yeah. Yeah, you're right. He's not telling a lot of stories here either, is he? And certainly there's a lot of his discourse that we aren't that isn't recorded here. Um, but he is to the point for sure. Melissa says there's humility here. Yeah, that shows up a little bit later on, especially. Um, and that's one thing I really love about John. Um, and especially if you look at the Gospel of John, that I think that comes through even clearer. Um, all right. Uh, and, and what did all, what did all these efforts get him by the way? Um, the last part of that question, what did all of this effort get John the Baptist, all this preaching and teaching and baptizing all this faithful ministry? What did it get him? Pastor says he introduces worship in behavior and attitude and values given by faith in Jesus, in Jesus. Worship is done by tradition and legalism the way the Pharisees and religious leaders did. Um, so he's really changing things, isn't he, Pastor? Um, he is completely counter the norm of the day, right? He's going against the grain here, and uh, that's going to rankle the wrong people. Yeah, he ultimately, Jane, he does end up in prison for this, and and we'll find out later on. He eventually eventually is killed um, in prison. And Phil says he's just speaking what the Spirit tells him. Um, and again, he's ready. Fear, uh, that's a good word, jo Joanne. Joanne says John is fearless. Um, he's not too concerned about what the effect of his preaching is going to be, right? He's he's fearless here, and that's. In our day and age, I think that's that's an encouragement and an example that that we could benefit from, uh, because we don't, we sometimes lack that, right? All right, uh, number four. What did John say to the people? And and here's maybe where Melissa's comment um, really comes or shines through. Uh, she had said earlier he was he was humble. Um, what did John say to the people when they started thinking he might be the Christ? What did John say to the people when they started thinking he might be the Christ? Um, hang on a second there, Phil. Still on question four. Um, what did John say to the people when they started thinking he might be the Christ? Phil has a question there, too. Um so when does John's ending line up with help me understand the question there, Phil? Are you saying does when does John's death line up? Help me understand your question, Phil. I just to make sure I know where you're going with that one. Okay, so Linda's got number four here, right? He he said very clearly, I, I'm not the Messiah, right? I'm not the Christ. Um, and he says he's unworthy, right? There's there's somebody else coming, one who is more powerful. Um, Ron and Joan have that too, right? So so that humility uh, is so clear. Jane's got it too there. One more powerful would come. Um, Jane, absolutely. Um, John did baptize in God's name. I, I think the idea here, though, is Jesus would certainly have um, 
a greater measure of of the spirit perhaps than John did, I, I think is is the point there. Um, I mean, Jesus is, is true God himself, right? And um, the spirit is, is and was behind Jesus in a way that um, is beyond anything, anything John had access to, I think is his point there. Um, <clears throat> all right, so Melissa is clarifying Phil's question. I think Phil is asking, when does John die in relation to when Jesus dies? Are we understanding that correctly, Phil? If we're understanding that correctly, um, it's it's a couple years, I think. Um, John dies early on in Jesus' ministry. Um, Jesus has about a three-year ministry uh, before he dies, so it's it's two years plus, two two plus. Um, I can say pretty confidently. I, I could try to be more specific if you know if I did a little research there, but I. Two plus for sure. So this is way early, long time coming yet before Jesus, um, Jesus is put to death. All right, uh, all right. Now we can hit question five. So we get. So John's doing his thing, um, and then verse twenty-one. Maybe you know if if you can imagine reading this the first time. When all the people were being baptized. Jesus was baptized too. Why do you think Jesus was baptized? After all, he's perfect. And I think Ron and Joan have uh, part of the answer there. They say Jesus needed to fulfill the whole law. God tells believers to be baptized. So as our substitute uh, to carry out God's will uh, for in our place, certainly he, he needs to to do what God would want us to do, right? And, and to be baptized. Um, certainly we, he is not baptized because he needs any kind of forgiveness or, or to wash any kind of sin away, right? That's not, that's not true. Um, so that is certainly not why. Um, and I think there's another point here too. Um, so Linda, kind of along those lines, um, as he's bapti getting baptized, he's publicly putting himself out there as our substitute. By taking that baptism, the Holy Spirit does his thing. God speaks from heaven. That That is Jesus saying, all right, here I am. I'm the substitute. I'm the Messiah. Let's go, right? Let's, let's get this. Um, so this is kind of um, announcing publicly to everybody that he is our substitute. He is here. Uh, to fulfill everything that God said about him. Um, so hopefully that answers the question here. Um, I feel absolutely right. He, I think there's a there's something to your statement there as well. Um, Melissa says, it's like asking why did Jesus need to go to the temple? He knew far more about God than any human teachers would ever know. He does these things to keep the law perfectly. I, I would agree. Um, again, every, everything that we we're asked to do uh, had to be done by our savior because um, we don't do any of it perfectly. And if he's going to be our perfect full, our perfect substitute, he needs to, to stand in there for us. Um, and pastor, yep, that's a good, a good summary there to fulfill all righteousness, right? Every last dot of the pen, right? Needed to be fulfilled. All right, and it does, again, provide God a public opportunity to say, this is my guy. Um, and actually, um, there are bookends on Jesus' ministry here at his baptism. And again, on the mountain of transfiguration, the Father speaks from heaven and says, this is my guy. At the beginning and at the end, telling his people, telling all of us, um, nothing's changed. I, I was pleased with him. At the start, I'm pleased with him. Now, as we hit the finish line, he was perfect. He is he is the savior. He is the substitute. All right, number six, evaluate this. The Bible does not teach the concept of the Trinity. It's just a man-made doctrine. All right, evaluate that thought. You might hear that on your doorstep as two Jehovah's Witnesses uh, talk to you about Jesus. Um, what do you say? What do you say? 
Saran and Jones say the word Trinity is not in the Bible, but the concept is the Father spoke, the Son was baptized, the Holy Spirit appeared as a dove. Um, it's almost like you took that right off my page here, uh, Joan. Um, so first of all, absolutely correct. The Bible does not use the word Trinity. The Bible does not use the word triune. Uh, those are words that the church has come up with over the years uh, to, to describe what the Bible says. Um, now, there are plenty of times in the Bible where we see the Trinity at work. Um, here is one. Um, and in fact, it's pretty rare when we see all three necessarily at the same time. Um, but there are other, many other references in Scripture to the Holy Trinity, right? We talk about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, Isaiah, holy, 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 right? Yeah, Genesis chapter 1, God says, let us make man in our own image, Um the Bible presents God as three persons and one God, but the word Trinity itself was not, it's not in the Bible and that's okay. Um, so don't, don't let that argument put you on your, on your heels. Just acknowledge it. Yep. We know it's just a word we use to describe uh, what the Bible teaches us. Um. So there's a little different there, um, Jane. So Jane says at the end of chapter 3, Adam is the son of God. Okay, notice son is not capitalized there. So in no way are they equating Adam and Jesus. Um, but you do point out something I wanted to mention anyway. Um, so Luke's genealogy here um, is different than, than Matthew's genealogy. Luke's genealogy uh, is trying to trace Joseph all the way back to God. Remember, God's the father, um, not, Joseph, um, not Joseph. And then Matthew, he, he's writing to Jews. He's just trying to connect Jesus to Abraham. Um, so Luke's genealogy uh, is more inclusive uh, just emphasizing the divinity of Jesus um, more than the humanity of Jesus. Um, so again, not the Son of God. Son isn't capitalized there like it would be for Jesus. Um, but God did create Adam, right? And so um, it just tracing the gene genealogy all the way back just to kind of let everybody know in a, in a subtle way, Jesus is the Son of God. All right. Uh, pastor says the doctrine is clearly presented in the Gospel of John, especially John 14. You're talking about the Holy Trinity, right, Pastor? Yeah. Um, clearly taught in the Bible, just did not named in that way or given that title. All right. Anything else? Chapter 3. I, I'm planning to hit Chapter 4 right away here. If you have any quick questions or comments on Chapter 3, fire away but if we're gonna make it here um through chapter five we gotta keep on rolling and i gotta grab my other sheet here all right so we are in chapter four um so jesus goes into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil question number one agree or disagree jesus willingly went to the desert to be tempted agree or disagree Uh, Phil says he loves John, loves John, was so humble. Um, yeah, right, people, I, I agree. Um, I, that I've really appreciated that too, Phil. That, And finally, as pastors, as, as believers, we don't want the attention. Jesus gets the attention, right? And so uh, he must become greater, we must become less, right? That is kind of John's approach. So agree or disagree, Jesus willingly went into the desert to be tempted by the devil. Linda says, agree. Um, Ron and Jones say he's led by the spirit. So are you saying yes or no? Jane says, yes, led by the spirit. Um, Melissa, okay, so I think you're all on the point here. 
So he's going willingly, but he's following God's will, right? He's following the Lord's lead. He is following God's will. Um, he's not cavalierly going out seeking Satan out, right? He's not He's not seeking confrontation. He's not seeking um, temptation, but he's following the will of the Lord, right? And you're, that's, you're going to see that all the way through his ministry, right? He's following God's direction. He's following God's will. Um, all right. Then I'm uh, talking about these temptations. What was Satan's purpose in tempting Jesus to do the following? Uh, use the Old Testament passages Jesus quotes to support your answer. So what was really his goal with each temptation? Um, and I think we can uh, I think we can hit those one at a time. Um, so first one there, use his divine power to feed himself. Let's just talk about, anybody have any thoughts about that one? Using his divine power to feed himself. What, what was Satan's purpose there? What was he, what was he driving for? So Linda's asking about the many number 40s, number 40s. So quickly, um, without uh, digging back into it a little bit, um, the idea of completeness, the idea of um, the idea of perfection, you know, the, the full amount, um, 40 is usually synonymous with that. Um, I could, could give you more uh, if I took a little bit look at it. And Pastor, if you got any other thoughts there on the significance of, of the number 40s, um, completeness, completeness is kind of the, the idea there. Um, all right, so to the question here, using his divine power to feed himself. Um, so a bunch of answers here. Um, so I think everybody is kind of on the same track here, right? Putting his desires above everything else. Um, and, and I think you're on the right track. So rather than trusting God to provide and to care for him, um, but rather to take things into his own hands, to, to focus on his own desires, to satisfy his desires, as pastor says, um, focusing on the baker, not the bread. Um, so the idea, so, so God was going to take care of Jesus and Jesus is trusting that. And the devil is trying to just do an end around instead of saying, trust in your father, just do it yourself, right? Um, so Joel says, if you are the son of God, did Satan really expect Jesus to accept that premise? Satan's pulling out all the stops here, Joel. I mean, he's trying everything, right? Personally, like when you were, when you were younger, um, when you were younger, if somebody said, prove it to me, wasn't that going to get under your skin? And I think that's what the devil's doing in a, in a sense here is prove it, prove it. Um, and, and I think um, you're right. He's not so much doubting that he's the son of God. He's almost saying, well, you are. So go ahead and show it. Like, what's the, what's the problem here? Right. Prove it to me. Kind of an idea. Um, all right. Next one, become the world's leader by an easier route. What's the, what's the big temptation there with, Becoming the world's leader by an easier route. So, um, second temptation. He says, I'll give you all this authority, right? I'll give you all this. All you got to do is, is bow down. Um, why is that perhaps more tempting than you might think at first? Anybody got a thought to that one? Melissa, I think it's even more than, I think it's, I think, ah, there's the key, the key thought. Melissa just posted it. Um, this temptation is all about bypassing the cross. Jesus, you can have everything. Skip the cross. All you got to do is worship me, right? Um, don't do it the Father's way. 
he wants you to have all this, but look at what you're going to have to go through the do, to do it. This is bypassing the suffering. This is bypassing the cross. This is all glory, no cross. Um, all you got to do is worship. So it would lead to idolatry, right? But it's really about, um, it's really about denying the suffering that God was going to send him to. Um, and Linda, you're right. There's always a hook. Um, man, he, he tees it up so nice, makes it sound so wonderful, so great, but there's always a hook behind it. And, uh, that to me, that boy, that had to be, that had to be tempting, right? That had to be a strong one. Skip this whole deal, Jesus. Let's do it right now. We, we can just fast forward to the end. Um, and then how about the third one there? Testing the reliability of God's promise. And I think this is even stronger. You know, I just chatting with Joel a little bit ago. You know, prove it to me. I, I think that's even stronger here in this temptation. Um, what do you see there when he says... Um, he takes him to the top of the temple, throw yourself down, because doesn't God say? And notice the devil knows the Bible, right? The devil knows what the Bible says. Doesn't mean he believes it or trusts it or understands it completely, but he knows what it says. Um, any anything else here? So Jane, yeah, I, Satan knows why Jesus came to earth, but I don't think he ever imagined the plan of salvation. Um, he knew God was up to something, right? He knew Jesus was here, um, I think, to win salvation. But I don't think in a million years the devil ever under, ever anticipated how it would play out. Um, I know God told him in the garden, right, he's going to crush you. I don't think Satan understood how it was going to happen. I think, Joanne, how did the devil know? I just think, so I think the point there is um, the devil, he knows it's going to be rough, right? He already knows the Pharisees are giving Jesus the business because he's, he's also good, right? He, so I, in a very, I think, general way, Satan is giving him an opportunity to skip everything that is coming at him. So in Jesus' mind, it's, ooh, I wouldn't have to go to the cross, right? I wouldn't have to, um, I wouldn't have to endure all those things if I just do this one thing. All right, uh, where are we at here? Um, so finally, this third one, challenging God, prove it. Prove it. This is about doubting God's love. Right, getting him to doubt or to challenge God's love. Um, let's let's go on here. Next one, number three. What does verse thirteen tell us about Satan's plans for Jesus and Satan's plans for us? It says, "When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time." What does that tell you about Satan's plans for Jesus? And Satan's plans for us. Phil, I like your statement there. Whatever plan God has for his son, the devil knew he had to destroy that connection, right? The devil certainly did not understand or was not privy to all the details of God's plan. But he knew he had to do something to stop it, right? All right, so... What does the devil, what does this tell us about Satan's plan? Ron and Jones say, Satan says he'll be back. Um, yeah, he, he never goes away for long, right? He's coming back. Um, yeah, picture him like in the boxing ring. You know how some of those boxers kind of dance around, right? And they wait until the right time to, to throw that punch. That's what Satan's doing. He backs off here. He's dancing around now. He's waiting for his next opportunity to strike. And um, he doesn't quit. Right, he keeps on coming, as Jane says there, and Melissa says it too. He doesn't quit, um, and he just waits. Right, he waits until we put our guard down, and bang, he comes after us. And um, boy, there are stretches when we get that guard up, right, and, and we're ducking and we're we're defending. 
And sometimes we relax and we let the guard down and he's ready to come, right? And and he he attacks us. Um, All right. Good thoughts there, Linda. Yep, he is sneaky. Um, And Marge, he does want to, he waits for those weak spots, right? Another another image that helps me think about this too. Um, You know, if you picture your spiritual life and it's fenced in, but some areas of the fence maybe are broken. Some of the rails are missing, right? There's certain parts of the fence where it's easy to get in. Devil's not going to come at you where the, the wall is the strongest, right? He's going to find the weak point and he's going to, he's going to sneak in that way. Um, Joanne agreed. Uh, Pastor has a nice summary statement there of, of Satan's goal. And Pam, you couldn't, I mean, you're right. We need to constantly be on guard. I like the words you use there, his ongoing attacks. Um, that sounds exhausting. And then, Phil, that's a perfect, perfect answer, right? Jesus is always there. Um, we need to just trust in him, right, and let him fight for us like he did here using the word. All right, uh, number four, note the reference to the Holy Spirit in verse 14. And what does this tell you about how Jesus knew what to do? And there's a thought here that that is maybe hard for us to hard for us to fully understand. So it says Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Um, so he is holding on. He is following the Lord's will again. Um, he's guided by the Holy Spirit, um, and he has the Spirit's power, as Melissa says. Um, but Understand what's happening here, right? As true man, Jesus has emptied himself in a lot of ways um, of that divine power and glory that that was his. Um, So he's relying on the Father to lead him and to guide him. Um, And so as true man, he is following that lead. And it's I think it's hard for you and I to, to even begin to conceptualize how this all works. Um, but Jesus set aside a a lot of that divine power um, so that he could be our perfect substitute. And Jane, yes, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit guides us through, through God's word. And it is hard to see the humanity of Jesus at times, although I would say, um, for those that watch The Chosen, I think they emphasize the humanity of Jesus. Um, and that the hard part about it is if you emphasize one, you, you tend to not see the other, right? And there are there are times, and, and Luke especially, he's going to have a lot of miracles so that I emphasize the divinity of Jesus. And when you see that, then certainly the humanity recedes. I and mean, then there are times if we're really showing the humanity of Jesus, then it, you forget about the divinity of Jesus. It's He's always both, right? It's just, it's so hard for us to, to wrap our minds around that. Um, all right, let's go number five. In a single stroke, uh, Jesus claimed to be the fulfillment of the entire Old Testament. He doesn't mess around, does he? he I mean, right away here, one of his first public times of, of sharing the word. Um, how does he, in a single stroke, claim to be the fulfillment of the entire Old Testament? Amazing. His command of the word, obviously, is is perfect um, and impressive and, and fun to see. Um, how does he, in a single stroke, claim to be the fulfillment of the entire Old Testament? Anybody have a thought? So, so first of all, um, so the the this. So Melissa says he says that this is fulfilled in your hearing. So the this in her sentence, um, Jesus quotes a, a really well known passage from Isaiah, um, a, a passage they all would have known, a passage that very clearly points and references to the Messiah. So that that per, passage from Isaiah. 
everybody understood was describing the Messiah. And then Jesus says, here I am. And a sermon, like, right? Like he, what else does he say? He says, here, here's the passage. Here's what Isaiah said. Hey guys, that's me, right? That That's his message. And um, it had an effect. Certainly, I, I would say the desired effect um, but maybe not the effect you would want at your first sermon here. Um, so what point is he making here, number six? Um, what point was Jesus making with his history lesson from the Old Testament? What point was he making? And, and I think we're probably already hitting on that. And And this part's always fascinating to me, um, this chapter. What, what's his overall point here, though? Um, okay, the, the shock factor, right? For sure, Joan. I want, and I want to talk about your other thought here in just a minute. Um so they get their references, don't they, Melissa? They understand completely. Uh, they just don't like it, right? And, and his point here is, hey, Israel had rejected God. God sent his prophets. Um, and it's happening again, right? Here I am, and you're rejecting me too. Um, and that's, he knows exactly what's going to happen. And, and he says it anyway. Um, and I got to tell you, I've been to Nazareth. and. Um, and I've been up to the hill where they likely took Jesus up to to throw him down. Um, guys, he would not have survived that fall. Um, it, it's amazing how angry, how quickly they are ready to, to get rid of him, right? They, they immediately don't like the message. But this shows you Jesus is not afraid to proclaim it, right? Um any other thought here? The point he was making. Um, so, yeah, I'm the guy. Here I am. Um, and, and they, Ron and Jones say that they can't believe it, right? They are, the familiarity got in the way. They've known him since childhood. Um, they couldn't conceive of how, how God could could use this guy, right? How this could be, could be the one. Um, just an interesting, interesting, uh, just an interesting situation here. Um, anybody have a thought or a comment? Yeah, Jay, no prophet was accepted in his hometown. I think, you know, stuff like this, there's reasons why very rarely does a pastor go serve in his hometown where he grew up. Um, it's just hard. And it's hard for people to see people that knew you as a kid. It's really hard for them to see you as, as a pastor and not, and in no way comparing ourselves to, to Jesus here, but it, familiarity for people gets in the way, right? It gets in the way. Um, let's see here. Linda says, God had told this years before, and the people had become very familiar with the scripture. Scheidenfreude is possibly the people's reaction, yeah. Um, Melissa says, people reject God's message a lot. A lot of times, the people who rejected God's message were those who appeared the most religious. Um, yeah, I mean, so right away here, we see a couple of things. Jesus is setting the tone at the beginning of his ministry. Um, he's going to be clear. He's going to speak the truth. And right away, people aren't going to like it. Um, and we'll see that kind of throughout here. I feel like I'm missing a, another question. But um, if, if you look at the rest of chapter 4, I don't have a question on – if you look at verse 31 – uh, there, Jesus drives out an evil spirit. So, so this is the first of 21 miracles that Luke records for us. Um, so in Luke's gospel, he gives us 21 specific miracles. And certainly he mentions other times where Jesus healed all kinds of people. But he mentions 21 specific miracles. And remember, Luke's a physician. Um, and so I think the miracles he gives to us... I. I 
I'm curious. I think we're going to see almost 100% of them are some sort of medical, some sort of medical miracle. Um, and Luke really emphasizes the power and, and the miracles of Jesus. So Jesus is healing. He does a couple of healings there in the rest of chapter four. Um, then I would be inclined to move to chapter five here. Anybody else have anything else on chapter four? Yeah, Linda, too unbelievable. And I and I I I agree. I I always wonder, you know, if I had been there, would I have struggled to? Um, would I have had a hard time believing it? just like they did. Um, all right, chapter five. Chapter five. First question, why did Simon Peter tell Jesus to go away from him? Was Peter right in saying this? Um, so they're calling their disciples, and this is, I think, done very well in The Chosen. Certainly, it's author's license. Like, we don't exactly know how it happened, but... I think the way that it's presented is effective. Um, anyway, a couple comments here. Uh, Melissa says, Luke was a doctor, so those miracles must have been amazing to him. I, I think so. Um, and certainly the other disciples mentioned them, um, but Luke especially focuses on them. Um, you know, Matthew and John, I believe, talk about, you know, they'll focus on, you know, the, the water and the wine, um, the feeding the 5,000, the walking on water. And I'm not saying Luke doesn't mention some of those, um, and he will, but Luke certainly has an emphasis on the the physical, because, uh, yeah, that's an area of interest to him. Um, and Ron and Joan uh, agree with you there. Um, Okay, so Phil's answering the question here. Uh, why did Simon Peter tell Jesus to go away from him? Uh, was he right in saying this? Um, so Phil says, yes. He realizes a sinner can't be in God's presence and live. We heard that uh, on Sunday, didn't we, in the sermon? Um, John felt that same thing. Uh, we saw it in Isaiah at his call. We saw it in Moses. Um, we saw it in, in so many Um the go away from me, Lord. Um, so, so Peter gets it for sure. P Pastor says, I understand his motivation, um, the guilt and the shame in the presence of God. I, I think that would be us too, right? As we, um, what, what do you say, right? What do you say? Um, a couple more comments here. Jane says he was intimidated. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that's putting it mildly, Jane. I, I think he was just overwhelmed like what do you what else can he say um but you're right it, he, he understands jesus is up here and, and he's nowhere close all right um yeah so and i think if i understand what you're saying there phil yeah jesus certainly had a way about him of of appearing and showing things at the right time um for, for the people's benefit. Um, so number two, so talking about fishermen here, um, and certainly if you hear a sermon on this section, that this, thoughts like this will come up. How do we become better fishermen in the kingdom of God? How do we become better fishermen in the kingdom of God? Any thoughts there? If we had done this a month or two ago, I would say, well, you could come to everyone outreach and learn about that. Um, but what, what do you have here for number two? How do we become better fishermen in the kingdom of God? Any thoughts? Um, I would say don't overthink it here. Um, so Marge says, by spreading his word. Yeah, right? It It's sharing the gospel, right? It's talking about Jesus. Um, and, and certainly the right attitude can help, right? Ron and Joan, friendliness, concern. Um, 
show some love to your neighbor, right? That that sure helps. Um, Linda says, pay attention to hints that people reveal. Be a listener, right? Be watching, be 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 listening. Um, and, and it is about talking, right, Jane? We, we got to actually talk and have the conversation. Um, and finally, in the end, how do we get better at anything? Practice, right? We, we just got to do it. And you, a lot of you are saying this, right? It's just talk, right? Share the word, share the message, um, talk, um, talk about Jesus. And, and serving, right? Phil, serve, other, serve others. Pastor says, meet and be with people no matter who they are or what they have done. Pastor, I think that's a wonderful encouragement. Um, doesn't matter, right? Jesus, Jesus shared with everybody, right? We need to do the same. Um, yeah, Joanne, that's so well written, isn't it? So well written. Um, one other thought I would say to this question here, um, how do we become better fishermen? I, I think just by watching Jesus, right? Watching and learning from Jesus certainly is going to help us. And then just get out there and do it and, and, and practice. All right. So then let's, um, there's so much here. And, and unfortunately, um, so I think as we said earlier on, Luke, was so detailed and he packed so much in. Um, so there are going to be certain chapters where we just aren't going to hit everything. Um, and some of that is understanding too, that um, some of it we leave for the other gospels. So um, anyway, the man with leprosy here, um, Jesus, uh, he comes to Jesus, falls face down, said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. What does the phrasing of the leper's question show us about his trust in Jesus? What does the phrasing of his question show us about his trust in Jesus? Linda, I think the Gospel of Luke is a good one for, for you and the people around you, isn't it? Um, in prayer, right? Prayer goes a long way. And I know you're doing that. And I know the Lord's blessing that. Um, Melissa said here that he understands that God's will is more important, right? Lord, if you're willing, you can do it, Lord. I know you can. Are you willing, right? And it's it's about what God's will is, not what his will is. And I think that is a, a great example for you and I to see. Um, he doesn't demand of Jesus he just relies on Jesus' compassion, and he says, "Lord, if it's your will, um, you can do this. You can, you can make me clean." Uh, Phil says, "Never doubt. Um, prayer needs to be trust, and of course, Lord, your will be done." Uh, so, Jane, he, yeah, he knows he can do it, right? It's just a matter of is it his will to do it or not. And finally, every one of our prayers is, "Lord, your will be done." There's nothing you can't do, Lord. We know you can do. Um, if it's your will, Lord, please do, right? Good. Uh, then he heals the paralytic. And we took a look at that when we looked at Mark. Um, so I don't have a question for you on it. But then the calling of Levi. Um, I, first of all, all the calling, when Jesus calls his disciples, it's always astounding the effect that it has on the disciples. Um but knowing what we know about, about Levi or, or Matthew, I, I think maybe even a little more impressive maybe than, than some of the other callings. Um, what would move Levi to give up everything to follow Jesus and then throw a big banquet for him besides? He's a tax collector. He's raking in the money. Um, what would motivate him to, to give up everything? Okay, so Ron and Joan, that's an interesting thought. I don't know if I had that thought um, initially. Matthew wasn't very valued, valued, right? People, they didn't, they didn't love him. He's a, he's a traitor, right? He's an enemy. Um, but Jesus valued him and asked him to be a follower. I think that's a, a good insight there. Um, 
but I think there's more we would say here too. Um, what would what would cause Levi or move Levi to make such a drastic change? It's new life, right? As Phil says there, it's um, he has new life in Christ now, and he is he is energized, as Phil said. He is he's excited. He wants to celebrate his new life. Um, he is eager, eager to get going on this new path. And that, as was said, he's valued, he's loved, he's he's excited now, and he wants to he wants to to thank Jesus and, and to celebrate the, this new life that he has. <clears throat> Melissa says he knew how badly he needed a savior. That relief must have been, yeah, I can't imagine. Um, <clears throat> Jane said it had to be the Holy Spirit. Of course, right? And that's that's a good thought too, right? Anytime anybody comes to faith, it, it is a miracle, right, of the Holy Spirit. Um Certainly that is the case with Matthew and these disciples. Um, Pam says he's proud to be associated with Jesus. In interesting too, isn't it? Um, when you look back a chapter and you see these people are ready to, to throw Jesus off a cliff. And here we got a guy who's leaving everything behind to follow Jesus. Two drastic reactions to the Savior of the world. Uh, one wants to get rid of him immediately the next wants to give up everything immediately to follow him. Um, just notice how polarizing that is. Notice what the what the gospel does. It it moves and it and really it's when it's rejected, then it, it hardens. And it's just there's not a whole lot of middle here, right? There's not a whole lot of lukewarmness to, to Jesus as we're seeing. It's it, it's one or the other. And um, when you when you take a look at Matthew, it really stands in stark contrast to to those people in Nazareth. Um, Joanne says he really had no choice, right? Um, as they, Peter would say later on, I can't help speaking about what we've seen and heard, right? Just faith wants to come out. Faith wants to follow. Faith wants to, to, to live for Jesus. Good. Um, right on time. Look at that. 7.30. Uh, we finished our questions there. I feel like we probably left a few things out of these chapters. So if there is anything here uh, we didn't cover and you want to ask or point out really quickly, you know, please do so. Um, anybody have anything else on these chapters? Anything else they want to add, ask, or share? Good to see so many of you out again tonight. Um, really appreciate it. Anybody have anything else tonight? Anybody have anything else? We are going to, next time, we'll be on Luke. Um, it looks like six to eight. So trying to settle in for three chapters, and I, I think that's going to, it's not the usual four or five, but I think you're going to also find these are so jam-packed. We are just we can't cover everything. So um, just kind of know that going in. If there's stuff that you see not on the worksheets, just make notes so we can can mention it. All right, so Jane says verse 39 of 5. Okay, so that's a good, you know, that's a good question, Jane. I kind of I had to look at that a couple times earlier too. All right, no one after drinking old wine wants the new, for he says the old is better. And I think his point there, remember he's talking to the Pharisees. They don't want to give up their old ways. They don't want the new. And so I think Jesus is just saying here, some people are reluctant to change. And when it comes to faith and religion, um, Jesus is saying there are going to be some who are hanging on to that old and they're not going to want what is new. And in that connection, he's the new. They and their works righteousness are the old and they don't want to give it up. And so Jesus is, he's kind of poking them here. Um, they... They want what they have. They want what they're used to. They, they don't want this new life, this new covenant in Jesus. Phil says, Simon Peter, is it true that when we see Simon Peter, it's like calling him by his Christian name for attention next week? We'll see. Um, so you're asking about the name Simon Peter. Um, that's a good question. Um, 
And for some reason, I am just drawing a blank at the moment. Pastor Kirshner, do you have any thoughts on Phil's question there? Um, so when we see Simon Peter, it's like calling him his Christian name. Um, sometimes it's only Peter. Some, why Simon Peter or Peter? Um, I know um, this is one of those cases, Phil, where I think I'm going to have to uh, do a little more digging. Um it just it's not not clicking for me right away here. So I'm gonna. Why does he say sometimes say Simon Peter and why sometimes Peter? Really good question. Um, I will attempt to get back to you unless Pastor Kirshner has an answer here quick for us. Um, otherwise, everybody, I think I've got a meeting here across the hall to jump into. So um, I'm gonna let you go. And thanks for joining us tonight. Thanks for jumping on. Um, let's keep going with Luke. Um, next chapter is going to be a lot of Jesus teaching, a lot of Jesus um, sharing the word, which is, which is great. All right, everybody. God bless. Have a good night. I will attempt to remember that question, Phil, and, and we'll, we'll jump in there next time. All right. Thanks, everybody. Have a good night.